What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. Before I introduce our guest today, make sure to help us spread the Lamb Fam word by tapping that subscribe button and leaving a review. Now let's get to it. So today we have Leah. Is it Frisoski? How do you say your last name? It's Frisoski. You're good. Everybody I was going to get it. it. So we have Leah as our guest today. I found her on Instagram and I had to reach out because her story is something that I'm very intrigued by and I think a lot of other people will be too. So this is going to be a really fun story to hear about. Leah, do you just want to like kind of tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I'm really thankful to be here. Um, I just think what you're doing is amazing and so needed in, you know, the community of women that have had miscarriages. Um, But I'm Leah, and I'm 26 years old. And my husband and I have been married for four years. And then we've been together for eight years. Um, We live in Sarasota, Florida. And we just bought our first house. So we're really excited about that. And then I'm a realtor and my husband's a tech trainer for um, a food company. And I guess other than that, we're just really involved in our church. We do a lot of volunteering and a lot of like community outreach. That's like a huge part of our lives. Um, And yeah, that's kind of who we are. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Um, So when did you guys start trying to conceive? Um, We've been married, um, I guess we'd been married for a year um, when I first got pregnant and we weren't actually trying um, we weren't really trying to prevent, but we weren't really trying. We we're just yep. like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, we had no inclination or anything that anything would be wrong. So, um, we just kind of let it, whatever happen. And, um, when I found out I was pregnant, um, it was in September of 2015 and I was just like in shock. Like I instantly fell in love. Like I was just over the moon with it for my husband. It was a little bit, um, more of like a, Oh wow. Shock. Like we've been yep. married for a year. And like, I mean, he was happy, but he was also kind of like, Oh, I don't know. This is kind of fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> And it, it never seems as real for them. No. Yes, like when exactly. You, when you get yes. that, like I even read in your blog too, and yeah. it, it, I just related so much to it. It was like, yeah. you were like, the second I got that positive yes. pregnancy test, that baby yes. was mine. I started yes. daydreaming about oh, yeah. it. I started, you know, Pinteresting and planning. Yes. And, Absolutely. Uh, so what, how long were you pregnant before you lost that first one? So with the first pregnancy, um, I was pregnant for about seven and a half weeks before okay. um, I first started bleeding and realizing that I was losing the baby. Um, I kind of, looking back, I was very crampy the whole seven and a half weeks that I was pregnant and I kind of called my doctor and they're just like well you know it's just normal but looking back I think I I kind of had this like sense that there could have been something wrong maybe Mm -hmm. um and then when it happened it just you know wrecked our whole world I think um I definitely feel things very deeply Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that only added I think to it um even more and so then when we lost the baby um we were on vacation in Michigan with our family. And I think for me, I like to process things on my own. 
Me too. And so being with all of my family surrounding me while I was initially, like, I first started bleeding heavily and just knowing that, that something was wrong, knowing in my gut that um, we were losing the baby and having everybody around me made me that much more anxious. And um, so I didn't really process my grief and everything until I actually got back from that vacation. So it was definitely, it just made it even more difficult. And I was thankful that my family wanted to be there for me. I know that's something that um, uh, there's a lack of a lot with the miscarriage community that families don't know what to do or they don't know what to say. Um, And so I need to be thankful that they were there. You know, they were there, they were present. I just wanted to process it on my own. I can completely relate to that. I was actually going to ask you about that because (laughs) when I read your blog, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I can't imagine not being home and having like my own space when I I, I was lucky enough to be home and with all all four of mine and just kind of be able to process it my, you know, yeah, myself and my family was definitely included, you know, and I let them know, but you know, my mom was like, can I bring dinner over? And I'm like, no, 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 good. Exactly exactly the same way. And I know we all process things differently. Um, A friend of mine, you know, lost a baby, but she wanted that. She wanted people to come over. She wanted people to be there with her, bring her meals and things. And I'm the complete opposite. You know, I need my, my space to grieve. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so did you have an ultrasound at all with that first pregnancy? No, we were actually right when we were going to get back from Michigan was going to be my first, um, appointment, my first ultrasound with my doctor. And, um, so we didn't make it to that. And so that was, um, it was really difficult. And then getting back and seeing the doctor, you know, sitting in a room with women that were pregnant and expecting Mm -hmm. that was that first feeling. And and I've experienced it a lot more over the last few years. That was that first initial feeling of just that gut wrenching, like heartache and Mm -hmm. grief, embarrassment, all of that, you know, sitting there knowing that I'd lost my baby while all of these other women are sitting there with theirs. That was, um, that was one of those first moments I think of, um, of grief and, and, um, just not, not feeling confident in myself. Yeah, for sure. There's a constant reminder. Yes. When yes. you've gone, th- when you've gone through something like this, yeah. um, if it's like at the grocery store, oh, out yeah. on the street, like even looking out my window and seeing a mom with a stroller sometimes, yeah. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know. Absolutely. Um, and totally something you never, that. yeah, and you never expect to feel that. No, like, not at all. Jealousy. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? It's so weird. And you don't want to feel that. You no. want to feel. And I think that's one of those things too where um, you're genuinely happy for people, mm-hmm. you know, when they are pregnant, but there's also just that tinge of, of jealousy and that tinge of, oh, I, I want that to be me. You're sad for yourself. You're happy for them, yep. but you're sad for yourself. Yeah, for sure. So when, how long did it take for you guys to get pregnant for the second time? So, um, I bled for a few weeks after, um, the miscarriage and then my period didn't come back for, um, probably about a month and a half to two months. And then I started having a regular period and our doctor just said, Hey, just as, you know, as soon as your period regulates, you can, you know, try again, you know, they'd let me know it's very common, very normal thing. Um, but it still didn't, you know, it it didn't help. I was still very emotional for a few months And, and it was difficult for me to want to get pregnant again. I'll admit with that first time because I wanted 
that baby. Yeah. I wanted the baby that I'd been pregnant with. And it was difficult for me to think of replacing that baby. Um, mm-hmm. cause everybody, all my friends are like, well, you'll just get pregnant again. This is so common. You'll get pregnant again. And I didn't want to just move on and forget that baby. But, um, I, I think it took me about three, four months to fully like grieve from that. And then we got pregnant in, um, April of 2016. So it was about five, like five, six months later. Um, and we were so happy. Like, I can't tell you, I think, especially my husband too, like, I think because he had kind of felt some guilt the first time that he wasn't as excited as Mm -hmm. I was. So this next time around, like he jumped on board fully and we were talking about baby names and just everything. Like he wanted to be fully involved with it and he was so excited and, and so happy. Um, and that one was actually my shortest pregnancy. That one only lasted five weeks. So that was very, very short lived. Um, and it was actually one of my harder ones, though, um, because I was just very numb and depressed afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember distinctly when I first started bleeding, thinking to myself or whatever thoughts in my head were, you were so stupid to hope. Like you yeah. were so silly to actually think this was going to work. And so that was very, that was difficult. And that time I had a lot of pain, a, a extra pain than what I had the first time. And so um, my doctor wanted me to go to the hospital to make sure it wasn't an ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't. Um, and that was um, my first experience with a doctor that didn't have very good bedside manner. Oh, um, yes. Just I'm sure we've all <laughs> experienced that. And in the ER and he just kind of blew it off and made it sound like it was no big deal. You're young. You know, you're young. You have plenty of time to get pregnant again. Like, why are you worried about this? And just stuff like that. And um and it was, it was very difficult to sit there, you know, with my husband knowing, cause it's one thing yourself being let down, but then knowing that you're letting down your spouse that you love exactly. you know, more than anything. Um, that was the, that was when I started like questioning in myself, like what's wrong with me? Like there's something mm-hmm. wrong with me. Um, so yeah. I think, I think that's hard to understand for other people too, is like, it's not just, we're not just like grieving for ourselves. Yeah. Like we're grieving for like, personally for me, it was like having my family get excited Mm -hmm. and having my husband get excited. was almost more difficult for me because I still kind of guarded myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think everybody else was like, this is it, you know, like, exactly. It's like, everyone, please calm down because like, yeah, I don't want to have to deal with you guys being let down. Exactly. And it's a really weird feeling. And I don't think a lot of people understand um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So with the second one, it's almost like, I don't know if you felt this. Well, I I think you kind of did. You explained it a little bit, but you're still, you still get excited with that second one because the first one is like statistics are one in four. And so you're like, okay, like this Mm -hmm. is pretty common. Like my next pregnancy is going to make it for sure. And so you still have that hope. And like you said, just kind of like once you lose that second one, that hope starts to just kind of dwindle because the statistics, the statistics just aren't the same. No, um, now exactly. you're like, now you're like, okay, what's wrong? You yeah, know, exactly. what's wrong with me? And then you're like, now I have to try again and go yes. through this again. So when was yeah. your, when was your third loss or when did you guys get pregnant um, for the third time? So it was, it was a whole year later and it was kind of a process because after my second one, I went to 
um, my OBGYN and I saw one of the specialists there because I knew in my gut, like there's something wrong. There has to be something wrong. And usually they don't start testing until after you've had your third. And yeah. I knew that, but I talked to her and I, it was, it was definitely a God thing. Like it was, um, she'd actually experienced multiple miscarriages herself. And so she knew, <clears throat> um, how devastated I was. And mm-hmm. she said, you know what, we're going to start testing now then. And so she was willing to order all the different blood work, all the testing, um, and start me on that process. So that's kind of why it took a whole year before we tried again. Yeah. Um, that whole summer after we lost our second was really a whirlwind. I wasn't really able to process my grief right away because we threw ourselves right into the medical testing, um, all the blood work. And then while I was getting tested, they found an abdominal mass in uh, my abdomen and they had no idea what it was. They still don't know what it was. Um, no medical diagnosis for it, but it was, um, nine inches long by eight inches wide in my abdomen. Oh, wow. No idea what this was. And they said, well, we can't, you know, open you up and remove it, we'll literally have to cut your stomach open to do it. So um, they did MRIs, and they definitely mentioned cancer and things like that. And so it was a very scary summer, because we just had constant tests, um, CT scans, things like that. And so on top of losing the baby, we were also thinking cancer, what's wrong? Like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And um, so they drained, it, it ended up being a fluid filled um, mass and they drained it and they just said they would monitor it. The fluid came back clear. There wasn't any cancer or anything and they were just going to monitor it. So for the next six months they monitored it, but it kept growing back. So then, um, the day after Christmas of 2016, they operated on me and they were able to cut me open and, and remove it. And, um, it weighed five pounds. So oh I, I lost five pounds that day. <laughs> There's a positive, I guess, positive right? to it. Yes. And um, they did testing on it and they still didn't know what it was. They just called it an abdominal mass and they didn't even have paperwork to send me home with because they didn't know what it was. Um, and my doctor at that time, he felt like, okay, maybe this is it. You know, maybe this was giving off hormones. Maybe this was what was yeah. messing with you. And so it gave us a little bit of hope, like, okay, maybe there was a reason and we fixed it. Yeah. Like maybe we fixed it. And he felt pretty confident because all of my other testing had come back totally fine. You know, there was nothing wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And, um, so he told us to wait six months and then we could start trying again. So we did what he said and then we got pregnant in May of 2017. And I remember it was mother's day and I was sitting in a church service and, you know, Mother's Day services at church or anywhere. Just Mother's Day in general is difficult. You mm-hmm. know, when you've gone through miscarriages. And um, I was sitting there in church and I, I just felt so strongly that, like, I was pregnant. And I hadn't taken a pregnancy test or anything. We had just started trying. And, um, and so I went home that day and took a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant. And I was like, yes, like maybe this will work. But I still like, you know, after you've had multiple, like you don't There's get your doubt. too much. Yeah. There's so much doubt. Um, and, but I think I just kind of like clung to, it was just so like, oh, it happened on Mother's Day. Like, you know, kind of thinking like it was one of those moments. And um, so that one lasted for six weeks. So that one was another shorter one. And um, we actually went ahead and told um, my in-laws and my family. Because um, I think we just... After going through a few, we really realized if we were silent about it, it, it was going to make it more difficult for us. Yeah. Um, 
just comments and things that people, you know, can say if we expose it and we talk about it, we're less likely to get as, as many, I mean, we still get hurtful comments, but a little bit less that way. Mm -hmm. Um, They got all excited and and that was difficult because then after, uh, and I was being very closely monitored by my doctor um, just every day going in for blood tests and blood work. And um, right about that six week mark, right before I was going to go in for like an early ultrasound, they told me that my levels weren't increasing. Um, And I was on progesterone, I was taking baby aspirin, you know, anything, you know, whatever that protocol is, you know, to just try, you know, to, you know, keep the baby safe. I've been there. Yep. Yep. And, um, and that one was difficult. I was actually at work and I got that phone call and I remember I had to keep my composure and everything inside of me. Like I wanted to just turn, like just ball. And, um, I was able to ask to leave work early that day. And, um, it was devastating because we knew like we'd hit that third one and we knew, okay, like, there's definitely something wrong. We're in that category of the 1%. Yeah. And, um, and that was gut wrenching for us, for my husband too. We just, it, it, it hit us really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I remember that feeling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when you guys, you guys, did you get any other info from the doctors other than that mass? Like through all the testing that you guys did? Besides the mass, the only thing that we ever got back was I had tested positive for one strain of the um, MTHFR. Okay. Um, but I went to a hematologist and he told me, which there's a lot of varying, you know, yes. I've, I've read everything about it. And I even asked, I said, hey, can I be put on Lovenox? Can I be put on blood thinners just to be safe? But I had this weird thing where I have a strain of the MTHFR, but I also have low platelets. So okay. it's kind of counteractive. So I already have thin blood, but yet I test positive for a clotting disorder. So he told me if they put me on Lovenox, it would thin my blood too much because I already have too thin of blood as it is. Um, but that was the only thing that they found. All of Andy, my husband's test came back normal. Um, we went to a high risk doctor. We actually went to a few different doctors after our third one. Um, and they all just told us, you know, just keep trying, you know, everything, you guys are completely fine. There's nothing wrong with you guys. Um, of course we have the doctors that say it's just bad luck. You know, I was just going to say, yeah, that's always the worst carriages. And Mm -hmm. um, just knowing in my gut, just feeling like there's got to be something going on here. And um, so that's kind of when we had our third. Um, We took time to really try to process that grief. I think with my last few, I I didn't, and you never, there's not a wrong or right way or whatever, but I didn't really take time to truly like process it. And so after my third, that's when, I really started seeking seeking um, counsel, so mm-hmm. I got a therapist, and I'll tell you that that made the hugest difference. Like the, it, just a huge difference in my um, way of processing it and being able to grieve. Just because I like to do it on my own, yeah. And it's hard for me to like. I, I talk to people about it, but truly talking about my feelings, I needed someone that I truly felt safe with, mm, and that so is having exactly. that person, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the um, same. It changed everything for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's actually why I had to YouTube and social yeah. media so much because yep. it's almost like journaling for me. Yes, I'm not actually talking 
to yes. anybody about <laughs> exactly. it. You know what I'm like? I'm sitting in my room and I'm talking to a camera yeah. and then I upload it and everybody can hear what's going on. And it's almost, yes. I mean, number one, it's like to help other people because I remember yep. that lonely feeling. Yes. And in return, it helps me feel less lonely because I'm Correct. building this community yep. of other people who just get it. Um, But I think it's also to just kind of like stop the questions. (laughs) It it is. It is so true. And I think um, we first decided to share. I was actually kind of surprised at myself, but I really felt because right after our first loss, we started getting tons of questions from people like, oh, when are you going to have kids or your kids will be so cute or just all of those comments that people always say to people after they're, you know, newly married or whatever. And so I just felt like, okay, you know what, if I get this out there and just let people know what I'm going through, maybe these comments will stop. Maybe these questions will stop. And so I put it out there probably about two months after we'd lost our first and just let people know that we'd gone through that. And I was just, it was insane. The amount of women that reached out to me and said, me too. Right. I went through this too. And I didn't realize how many people had gone through this. Mm-hmm. And then with our second one, we announced, um, I think a couple months after the third, we didn't really announce until a year later. I just felt like, you know, I've already announced this so many, like it almost becomes a thing where you do feel embarrassed at times. You feel yeah. like I can't get this right. Mm-hmm. And then while the whole while, you know, I had friends that had gone through miscarriages and then they got pregnant, you know, after yeah. they one miscarriage, they got pregnant. And you just think, God, why not me? What's wrong with me? How come, you know, yes, they went through it and they went through a horrible time. But how come I have to keep going through yeah. this? Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so what's your guys' plans moving forward? I know you yeah. guys are doing like the foster to adoption process. Yes. And I'm very intrigued about that. So I'd love yeah. to hear. I'd love to hear a little bit more. Okay. So actually, um, funny enough, before Andy and I were ever married, um, one of the kind of weird things that we both thought was kind of odd that we both wanted was we both had this huge desire to adopt. We knew that before we ever had any of these issues or anything, we both thought, okay, we'll have a few biological children and then we'll adopt. But we both had this huge desire to adopt. And neither of us have really adoption in either of our families or anything. So we just kind of thought that was weird that like, oh, wow, we both want to do this. Um, And so after we had our third, we just spent a lot of time praying about what we wanted to do if we wanted to research the IVF route, if we wanted, you know, to keep trying. Um, And we just were kind of researching lots of different avenues. We knew we wanted to adopt someday. So we started researching adoption, found out how expensive (laughs) private domestic international adoption is. And then we kind of stumbled across foster adoption and did some more research about it and then went to like an informational meeting. And that's really kind of what did it for us. After we went to that informational meeting, finding out um, how many kids are in the foster care system and how many need um, foster families and also adoptive foster families. And for some reason, just both of us, it just resonated so much with both of us that this is what we need to do. And a lot of people have asked me, like, so this mean you've given up on having biological kids. And I tell them, no, like, we're not giving up. Like, we're, yeah. of course, we're going to keep trying for biological children. But we are pursuing this because, one, we wanted to do it anyways. We were going to do it regardless of if we had gone through miscarriages or not. But secondly, um, we obviously needed to take a break. We were both in a place where just emotionally, physically, 
spiritually everything like I needed to be out of that headspace. Yeah. And I needed to look towards something as and kind of give me some hope. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds weird, but like I just needed something to give me something to work towards that I kind of knew was more of a for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I just needed to get out of that headspace and um, through counseling and then also moving into this, I've just found so much joy, so much happiness, so much more energy than I'd had before. And um, we've actually recently talked about this, about, you know, when are we going to kind of try again, you know, for biological kids. And we both kind of come to a place where, you know what, we might not start trying, but we're just going to allow whatever happens to happen Mm -hmm. um, while we're pursuing um, the adoption route. And um, we're really excited about it. I mean, we were even last night, we were looking on, it sounds really weird, but there's like a national adoption registry. Um, And it sounds weird because you're like, looking for kids and it's one of those weird <laughs> things where it's not like you're like looking for a dog or a cat. like it, yeah. it just sounds weird when you say it because like last night I was talking to Andy and I was just like oh so did any stand out to you and it just feels weird to say that this about kid like a looks kid. cute yeah, yeah like it's horrible you're judging them based off of like age or like all, all those things it's just a very weird thing um so we're just, we're approved. We went through the whole process, um, all the classes. It took a while. It was about an eight-month process um, to get to the point where we're approved um, with our home study and everything. And so now we're waiting to be matched. And while we're waiting to be matched, we're actively looking through each state because um, we can adopt outside of our state as well. And okay. we're just kind of taking our time and looking through each state and seeing if there's any children um, that kind of stand out to us and grip our hearts um, and that we would want to pursue. And then, but, you know, in the meantime, we're also being looked at by social workers and caseworkers throughout Florida to see if there's any children um, that we can get matched with. And it was very um, interesting when we had to fill out like our profile of what we wanted because it just felt so wrong because you know, yeah. when you're having a child that like, you don't choose yeah. what you want. Totally. So it felt weird. Um, but we put on there that we're looking for a child between the ages of zero and five um, and any race, any gender. Um, and we're just trusting God through this process and just, you know, waiting to see what happens. And, but we're really excited about it. So cool. So cool. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I, there was one thing that I wanted to ask you kind of backtracking yeah. a little bit, but when I was reading your blog, yeah. Do you feel like your first loss stands out a little bit more than your second and third? Um, yeah. Just reading your story. Yeah. I, agree, I agree. My first loss sticks in my head the most. Like, mm-hmm. that's almost like my first child. Yes. And, you know, the first one that I loved and envisioned. Yes. And, it, and it's so crazy. But um, when I was reading your blog, I really related to that because I was like, mm. she really seems like, you know, because I personally started to feel a little bit guilty about that. Yeah. I was like, gosh, like. Why, why do I always think about the first one? And I don't yep. necessarily think, not that yep. I don't think about the other ones, but my first one really just like stands out to me. Um, so it was think, nice. Oh, go it ahead. Was ni- it was nice to read that you kind of, it seemed like you kind of felt the same way. No, absolutely. And I think, um, I think it has to do with that innocence. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time you find out that you're pregnant, you have that innocence of just this is nothing's going to be wrong. I'm going to be a mom. I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have this baby. And it's just that pure bliss and joy that I think most women that are pregnant that go on to have their babies feel. And then after that, your innocence is kind of robbed and you don't have that anymore. And so each pregnancy that you have, 
you're worried and you're constantly thinking, how long am I going to have this baby? I remember with my second one and it was short lived, but I remember holding my belly, just saying for however long I have you, I'm going to love you. Mm -hmm. And that's just that mindset that you have that however long I have, like I'm invested in this, I'm going to love you. I'm a part of this. And um, so, yeah, I think the first one is definitely special in that way because it's just those first moments of pure bliss and joy um, that unfortunately you don't get to experience as much with your future pregnancies. Yeah. The first time telling your husband, the first time telling your family, all your first just kind of get taken away. Yep. Um, Before we end here, is there any advice that you might have for anybody else in your shoes? Um, I think looking back, I wish I would have given myself more time to truly grieve, take time away from work. I was one of those people that kind of rushed back into it just because I felt like I needed to move on. I needed to keep going with life. And um, you need to take time to really grieve, to cry, to truly cry, to truly to scream if you need to or whatever you need to do to let your grief out. Um, secondly, if if you're able to, I know for a while for me, I couldn't afford it, but to get counseling. And there's a lot of places that will base it off of what you make. Um, There's sliding scales and things for that. But counseling was a huge thing for me that um, helped with my healing process and healing my heart and helping me with those moments where I felt jealousy and I felt anger um, and disappointment. And really my counselor helped me work through all of those emotions. And then I think lastly too, just encouraging people to be as open as they feel comfortable to be. Um, I think that that really did help me. I know you kind of shared that too, getting it out there, like having that as a way of, like you said, kind of journaling or um, getting your thoughts out there. It really does help so many other women to know that they're not alone, to know that Mm -hmm. there's other people out there that are going through this. And also in the same way too, I think it helps because when people know you've gone through that, even though they don't understand, even after you've told them what's going on, they don't, you know how to relate. I think people are a little bit more gentle with their comments. They're a little bit more gentle with what they say because they know that you've gone through it. Whereas I think if I'd been silent and never talked about it, I would have gone through a lot more questions and comments and, and things from people that, you know, I might, you know, have had happen if I hadn't shared about it. So I think those are the few things that I would say to someone, you know, walking through this now, you know, grieve, as much as you need to cry it out, get counseling if you can and find someone, if it's not on social media or throughout it, find someone where you can be open about it with and truly talk to about it. Yeah, definitely. I went to a church service recently and they, they talked about how, um, you know, giving hope kind of like you receive hope back in return. And that's what, I mean, that's what this is all about too, is like just, For me, throwing my story out there and knowing that it's giving other people hope, it yes. like encourages me a little bit more too. And it kind of gives purpose behind something yeah. that feels very purposeless. Correct. Exactly. So, well, awesome. Now, is there anywhere <laughs> that people can find you and follow your story, reach out, that kind of a thing? I'm mainly on Instagram. So it's just Leah Frizowski on Instagram. Um, I have my blog that I just started and it's by gracealone.blog. Um, and and it's really... And it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Just trying to share and be open about um, my story and what I've walked through and also um, kind of what I'm walking through now without a baby in my arms. Like I want people to know that there is hope and there is joy ahead, even if there's not a baby, you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously that's our goal. That's what we want. 
but I can find happiness and joy even in the present situation that I'm in. Um, and then other than that, I don't really have any other um, outlets that I, I mean, I'm on Facebook, but other that I share my story on. The only other thing that I've um, used a lot for anybody out there that um, needs like some encouragement through music. That was actually one thing that really helped me as well was um, worship music. And so on Spotify, I've created like a playlist um, and it's um, worship through miscarriage and infertility. So if you search that, you'll find it. And it's like all the songs that I've listened to over the past three years through my journey um, that have been a source of strength for me. So even if you're not, you know, a Christian or whatever, if you're just looking for songs to kind of bring hope or encouragement, um, there's a playlist there for you. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I'm going to check that out. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So you guys, there's a few different places where you can join the Lamb Fam and just become a part of the community. We have YouTube at Shelly Metling, Life After Miscarriage. That's more on my personal journey. And then we have two Instagrams. We have the Lamb Fam podcast where we post episodes and we have my personal Instagram at Shelly Metling. And I will leave those in the notes section of this podcast. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you for having me. I feel very like honored to be able to be on oh, here with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy we had you. It was Thanks. really, really great to hear your story. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You bet.